This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Prevent Defense, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is Elliot Shore Parks for the Prevent Defense podcast, brought to you by Radio.com Sports. We are down to four teams. It is championship weekend, and I'm joined by the one, the only, international Baldy. My man is still over there, ambassador of the game in London. Baldy, how's the uh, how's the international trip, international life treat? You know, it's it's good, Elliot. It really is. I mean, I'm I, I've got a great setup here. I'm in a good location. Um, they the people at Sky and at the NFL UK, they've treated me really, really well. Obviously, you've been over here for a game. You just know how yep. excited they are. The new stadium, Tottenham, was unbelievable. So. I kind of got a, a good feel for everything that's here, the future of this. But, I mean, really, this is about Championship Sunday and how we've gotten to this spot because we literally started this podcast back in training camp here, Elliot, and here we are down to the you know the final four teams right now. Yeah, so one of the teams that really from the jump, because me and you saw them up close and personal at training camp when they practiced against the Eagles, uh, and I don't know if you had a chance to go to Baltimore outside of that in training camp, but we both thought right away, the Ravens, going to be one of the best teams in the league. And they were. They were one of the best teams in the league. And then heading into the playoffs, we thought they were the favorite. Either them or the Niners, I think, were, were our two teams to make it to the Super Bowl. Ravens go one and done. And honestly, the game, it was competitive. I mean, I thought the fourth down conversion that they failed on late in the game, or I guess it was maybe beginning of the third, I think it was. If they get that, I think things are a lot different. But overall, the final score, not that competitive. They get you know, they're, they're out now because of, because of the Tennessee Titans. So my question, before we get into maybe some larger issues the Ravens have, what happened there? Because we both thought this game would be a blowout. You know, it's interesting, uh, Elliot. I, I saw Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the, the, the Ravens. I saw him week 16 in Cleveland as they were getting ready to blow out the Cleveland Browns. And in our discussion, I said, you know, you guys have been really well tested. You, you've seen a lot of really good teams yet. You know, you saw the Patriots and, uh, you know, you saw the 49ers and, you know, you played a lot of really, you saw the Steelers in overtime. I mean, you've seen a lot of competitive teams. I said, the one thing that we haven't seen from your team is what happens if you get down 14 points? Can you, can you make up for that? Can you overcome that? And that's what happened. I mean, they throw an interception and next thing you look up, they're down 14 and they never overcame it. They, they, they turned the ball over. They threw a couple of interceptions. They fumbled. They couldn't convert on fourth downs. They were held to field goals, and they never got closer than 14 to 6. 
And that was the one thing. I mean, they were 11 for 17 on third downs. They had a lot of yards. They went up and down the field, but they just couldn't finish. And that was the one thing that they never really had to deal with, even in the 12-game win streak or throughout the 16-game schedule. And it kind of came back to bite them because I don't think they handled situations real well in that game. Yeah, and, you know, throughout the – Throughout the season, one thing me and you have both talked about is just how battle-tested these teams are, both the Ravens, the 49ers especially. The 49ers go into New Orleans, they go into Baltimore, and they lose that game, but they had those experiences. And you're right, the experience of being down is is completely different. It's a completely different one. They're going into a hostile environment. It's about keeping your confidence up. Um, I thought when I watched that game that when they went down, and you mentioned the close they got was 14-6, to six, they just seemed very frustrated the whole time. Like having watched Lamar all season – he just played with such confidence and swagger and the whole team kind of played with that. And it seemed like once they fell behind, they just tightened up and got nervous. And it was just, it was frustrating to watch as someone that's enjoyed watching that offense all year. The question is, is this indicative of a larger problem for the Ravens or was this just running into a hot Titans team? Because although the Titans were not viewed as a favorite at this point, obviously they're in the AFC championship game. You can make the argument, Really, maybe only the Chiefs are playing better than the Titans right now. Maybe not even them. So I don't think there's a lot of shame in losing to the Titans. But at the same time, they were not supposed to. The Ravens were supposed to be playing in Baltimore this Sunday for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So do you think this is a larger problem or they just ran into the wrong team at the wrong time? Well, you know, I mean, it's uh, the, the Titans dictated the tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, Derrick Henry gets 34 runs. Um, you know, he, he does – he gets – 116 yards on three different runs. We saw how difficult it is to tackle him because he's just so difficult to get to his body. But they were able to stay with that. And, you know, they, their quarterback doesn't throw for 100 yards. I mean, they dictated the tempo. And so – but I think if you're – the question is, you know, going forward, I, I just think you just keep building with Lamar. You know, he lined up and played 17. He's going to be the league MVP uh, at the honors party the night before the Super Bowl. Uh, you just keep building around him. And um, I don't think you changed the course. Uh, I think that, you know, I mean, I th- you know, the fact that they could not stop Derrick Henry should be a concern, you know, whether it's that linebacker or adding pieces to the defense or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, they, they can improve in certain areas. But I, I think you just keep chopping wood. I mean, very few young players get to Super Bowls in their first full year of starting. It, it just doesn't happen very often. So, I don't think they should be discouraged, but I don't think, you know, I mean, I I thought that they could have done some things differently. I thought their fourth down efforts were poor. I thought kicking field goals in certain situations were the bad decision. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, but those are all Monday morning quarterback type situations, but I think this team is, is solid and you leave that bad taste in your mouth and you fuel it for next year. So my two concerns with the Ravens, Oddly enough, they both center around Lamar. And I want to be clear that I think Lamar is a great quarterback, an elite quarterback. He is the MVP of the league this year. He is a special talent. There's only maybe two or three quarterbacks in the league that I would be more afraid of playing besides Lamar, Lamar Jackson. My two concerns with Lamar are this. A, I saw it right here in Philadelphia close up, that in 2017, Carson played at an elite level. He was Lamar Jackson. Like yeah. this year's Lamar. Now, he wasn't as athletic. It was a different type. But he was, okay, Wentz is here. He's going to be here to stay. He's going to be here for a long time. 
He gets hurt, but the Eagles take advantage of that opportunity. They won the Super Bowl that year. It's really, really hard to do it multiple years in a row. It just, it really is. That to me, what separates like Lamar's a great quarterback, but I don't think really anybody is elite until you do it, you know, three, four years in a row or even more, honestly, like you have to show you can do it again and again. Mm -hmm. The Ravens this year were that team. They had, you know, all that, all like the swagger, they had everything going for them. So I'm concerned going forward. Can Lamar do this again? Can he be as special as he was this year, next year? And if he's not, can they win when Lamar is only maybe 80% of he was of what he was this year? No, so I'm I concerned mean, about that. Well, I mean, look, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was a runaway league MVP last year. He doesn't have any anywhere near the stats he had a year ago, but he's right back in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And he's a young player just like Lamar. And he's electrifying. And when he's on, like we saw this weekend, and we'll get to it, there's no stopping him. And so to me, this league, we, 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 this playoffs is really about the young guns. It's about Deshaun. It's about Josh Allen. It's about Carson, if he can stay healthy. It's about Lamar, Mahomes. I mean, that's what these teams are going to continue to build around. And who knows, you know, what happens with uh, Joe Burrows and Tua and if they're going to be in that company beginning next season. And really – that's where this thing is going. It may, it may be Jimmy Garoppolo's in that conversation, but that's where this is all going right now. And so I, I think that he's going to have a very good chance to be back in the postseason. And they may not be 14 and two, but they could very well be back in the postseason next year and maybe a little bit more seasoned in a game mm-hmm. like they, that they played last weekend. Yeah. And if they are, and I, I think they will be, I'm not saying they're going to fall fall off to the level like the Bears did this year because Lamar is way better than, than Mitch Trubisky. But I do think the Ravens are potentially set for a step back next year. But when they are in the playoffs, it'll be – I mean, all, all eyes are going to be on Lamar. I think his numbers ended up being good against the Titans, and I think he actually played pretty well overall. He played much better than he did two years ago against uh, against the uh, Chargers. But overall now 0-2 in the playoffs with not stellar performances. So next year is going to be big for him in the playoffs. But – you mentioned the young quarterbacks uh, that are coming up, the Joe Burrows, the, the Tua's, Trevor Lawrence, even though he can't come out this year. I wanted to pick your brain on the uh, national championship game. And good game overall, but more so just the quarterback play because now everybody is saying, all right, Joe Burrow is going to be that number one pick to the Bengals. If Trevor Lawrence was coming out, that would be a cer- certainly a great debate. But I think at this point, it seems like it's definitely going to be Burrow, maybe Tua. You have Herbert coming out of uh, Oregon. But I saw a tweet. And I apologize to uh, the person that tweeted it because I, I can't find it again. But h- how many teams right now, like I think the Joe Burrow hype has, has gotten almost out of control because the tweet said, how many teams right now would trade their current quarterback for Joe Burrow? And that got me wondering, when you look at Burrow, what do you see? And like, where do you rank him among the quarterback prospects we've seen in recent years? Like, is Burrow a step above or is he just kind of still did it for one year? type of thing where you're not as sure about him coming out? Well, I it's it's early for me, to be honest with you, Elliot. I haven't gone back and really studied individual games. I mean, obviously, we watched the championship and we saw the playoffs. Um, we saw the Big 12 championship game. He's been – I mean, Joe Brady is – looks like, um, you know, he's, he's the magical elixir here in the style of offense and what they did within a year. But – I think the other, I think the better question is this. 
that how many teams will trade their starting quarterback right now. I think the question is going to be how many teams will seriously vie to go get the number one pick. We have seen this before with the Redskins and the Rams, obviously the Eagles to get to number two. But we have seen teams vie and, and really ante up, right, in order to get that guy. And we've seen that it has paid off in a lot of cases. Now, obviously, Mitch Trubisky, that was a mistake, but they only jumped one spot. But for the for the Rams and for the Eagles, I think it was worth it. For RG3, for a year, you could say it was worth it. He was the rookie of the year. They went to the playoffs, et cetera. But I'm curious to see just what the ransom is going to be. Because if I'm the Carolina Panthers and yep. I'm Matt Rule and I've got Joe Brady as my offensive coordinator right now and – you know, the uncertainty with Cam Newton is real. Would the Carolina Panthers, how much would they be willing to throw at Cincinnati? How much would Miami be looking to throw at Cincinnati? How much is would Cincinnati take? Is Cincinnati going to answer any phone calls? I mean, these it's going to be as busy, I think, and as competitive for Joe as I think we've seen in a long, long time with any quarterback. This sounds silly, but how much do you think the fact that Burrow is from Ohio, right? Like he'd be kind of going home to Cincinnati. How much do you think that'll factor into their their willingness to move him? Well, I mean, is that is, is that an incentive because he's coming back to Ohio to move? That's him? what I mean. Like, like I'm saying, like if you if you're the Bengals, right? You're a team that people honestly don't really talk about it all. You don't have a, uh, a quarterback now. because You're not going to bring back Andy Dalton. You haven't had any real buzz around you in a long time. If you have the ability to bring in a homegrown type guy, who's one of going to be one of the most talked about players in the league next year, wherever he ends up, like, mm-hmm. is it just from a marketing standpoint, whatever you think of Joe Burrow as a player, and I'm sure they're high on him, but does the fact that they can bring this guy home, create that buzz, do you think that factors in whether or not they take phone calls or not? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, look, there's some teams out there that have an un- unbelievable amount of resources right now, starting with the Dolphins, and they need a quarterback. So, you know, are the Dolphins – and Cincinnati needs to re- – they need a quarterback, and a homegrown quarterback can certainly help fill seats, although winning quarterbacks fill seats, not homegrown quarterbacks. True. But, you know, they need help everywhere. Could you address all of the issues with a bounty of picks and and players for Joe Burrows? And, and would you be willing to do it? Like like the Rams, uh, you know, at one point surrendered and got so much, you know, uh, when they did when they dealt with RG three. Now some of the picks turned out to be good, some didn't. But I mean, it is phone conversations that you got to have if you're the Brown family in Cincinnati, because I think it's going to be the highest amount ever offered for the first pick. I think there's going to be, because there's going to be far more than one team interested in Joe Burrow. And we have seen teams that have basically tanked to acquire resources to get a player like that. And we've seen that if you get Patrick Mahomes and he plays at that level, you might be in AFC championship games or championship games year in, year out, if you get that kind of player. And maybe Cincinnati feels the same way and they're not going to, you know, you know, but I, but I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see all that happens. I mean, we saw what happened with Kyler Murray last year 
And there was a lot of intrigue all the way up into the draft to what they were going to do. Now, I thought it was the right pick for Arizona to stay home and take them. And he certainly improved that team. And they look like they're building and they have the right guy to do it with. But there's a lot of teams out there right now that I think there's five or six teams that would be very interested in Joe Burrow based on what we saw here this year. Now, do you think that's because of who he is as a prospect? Or do you think that's compared to the other quarterbacks available in the draft? I mean, Tua, had he not been injured, if you're a quarterback needy team, you could say, okay, well, I don't have to get all the way up to one because in theory, you know, I, there'll, there'll be two there at two. And some people are still saying he could be a top five pick. But I also wonder how Trevor Lawrence coming out next year could impact things as well. Because if you're the Bengals, and I think you're right, like bringing Joe Burrow, that would be exciting, but they're missing so many pieces. You could argue that they're, they're not ready for a quarterback. Like obviously a good quarterback will come in and change things, but they need help along the line. They need help at receiver. Their defense is a mess, like all types of things. So I just wonder if you're right, they're better off getting better picks. And they say to themselves, all right, well, we don't get Joe Burrow this year, but we get three first round picks. And then next year, we're probably not going to be good either way. And then you go and get Trevor Lawrence. So just curious in general, if you had to pick between the two, and I know one can't come out, who would you pick right now, Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Well, I think I would take Joe Burrow right now. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is not very far away if he's mm-hmm. if he's away at all. Um, I, I just think if I'm – you know, it looks like this David Tepper – and Carolina has more money than anybody in this whole league right now with what he gave Matt Rule, with what they just did with Joe Brady, the buyout, the contract. Um, it just seems like that is going to be a situation where how much they lose Luke Keekley, they're basically starting at, at square one. Would they just mortgage the next two years to go get Burrow with Brady with Rule and just start building right from there? And McCaffrey. I mean, and with McCaffrey. And you just go, okay, we got a quarterback, we got a back, we got a coach, we got a coordinator, uh, you know, whatever whatever else we have, we have. But let's just start here. I, I mean, I feel like I know Matt Rule. I, I you know, I, I think, and you got an owner that looks like he's going to be more than willing to be patient in this whole process. Young coach, big contract, a lot of years on it. Um, you know, understanding what Cam Newton did when he was the first pick in the draft. And he got him to a Super Bowl and an MVP. Um, maybe you just start in, – in, they were the worst team in football when they did that. And look what they did. They won a division three years in a row. So, I, I mean, that's just one team, and that's just where I'm thinking this thing might go. And, look, if you're if you're at Cincinnati and you go, well, Tua, Joe Burrow, I mean, could you mortgage the first pick, get just a bounty of others, still take Tua – and still address your team. I mean, all those are kind of like some. I mean, this is so early, right, Elliot? So I'm. I, I mean, I don't have any facts. I don't have anything. We're just talking here. It's. 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 We're not through the championship game yet. But right. I, I think all of this will, will will play itself out, and I think some of these conversations are going to be had. All right. So let's talk about the NFL. We'll move out of the college game before we get to these championship games. Wanted to get your uh, your take on some of the coaching news that has happened over the last week. So uh, last time we talked, the only job that was not taken was the Cleveland Brown job, and they have their head coach. Kevin Stefanski is going to be the head coach. Josh McDaniels, Pat, it's, it appears like he passed on the opportunity. What do you make of what happened in Cleveland? Well, it's not often, Elliot, that the wife goes with the coach for yep. the interview. I mean, you normally bring the wife. 
because you're basically going to set up shop and she's going to start looking for the house right away. I'm, or they're going to look at it together. I mean, I'm not saying it's a sexist thing, but I mean, generally, I mean, you don't, wives don't come on those trips unless right. you figure you're getting the job. Now, everything that came out after it now, you know, they, they tried to put a kibosh on it, but I mean, between turning in your game plans on Friday and reporting to the analytics officers and you could just see that Josh McDaniels was going, this is, this is not the setup that I'm used to. This is not the Patriot way. This is not what I'm going to do. And you can see that he was probably just turned off. Now they were interested evidently in Stefanski last year. So maybe they still got the guy they always wanted and maybe Stefanski can, you know, play with their rules, but it seemed awfully bizarre. Um, what Josh Daniels was reported to have to deal with. And I would, and if he was, and if it's true, I wouldn't blame him for backing out and going back to New England. So during the press conference for Stefanski, uh, Brown's ownership is up there and they're, they're talking and they're saying, you know, we're very confident Kevin Stefanski is going to be here for a very long time. Like, wh- why would you believe at this point in anything the Browns do? I mean, I, I think Stefanski has a chance to be successful there just because I do think they still have talent. Like I think Baker could be turned around. You have Odell, you had, you have Jarvis Landry. So you have the pieces there turned around quickly, but it's just funny that they, they always try to sell this thing of, okay, we have the guy, we have the guy. Well, you never, you really haven't had the guy in, in years. And just last year at this point, you were telling us it was Freddie kitchen. So I think monitoring that situation is obviously going to be very interesting. The Browns are one of the most interesting teams in the league last year. And they will be again this year. Um, another move that could be coming down the pipeline, Jason Garrett interviews with the Giants to be their offensive coordinator. What I do like about this potentially is I saw in Philly, and you see it around the league, that new head coaches, like young, inexperienced guys, they, they do get value from having veterans around them. Jim Schwartz was here for uh, Doug in Philly. Uh, Frank Reich was here. He had coached in the league for a long time. So I think there would be value having Jason Garrett and, and pairing him with Joe Judge. But what, what do you think of the potential of that move? Well, what offense are they going to run? What is yeah. the offense? Like, I, I, you know, is it Scott Linehan? Is it Jason Garrett? Is it, uh, you know, Kellen Moore? I mean, what's the offense? I mean, I don't really know. Because, it, it, it you know, it, it evolved from Scott Linehan to Kellen Moore. And then it kind of just went vanilla. You know, and they couldn't get the ball to their star players when they needed to in key situations and key games and losses to Buffalo and Chicago and Philly and New England. And and so, I mean, what are they getting? I mean, are they getting innovation? Are they getting, you know, outside of a guy that has been a head coach for a decade, what what is the offense going to be? Because when I watch, let's just say, Kyle Shanahan's offense, I see – I mean, I just see an evolved offense in every way. I, I I see things that I just I just shake my head and go, when do they think of this one? And I watch, you know, Andy Reid in Kansas City, and I see designs to get a tight end the ball every which way you can. I see elite speed. I mean, I, I see stuff, right? I see even Tennessee with Arthur Smith. I I'm seeing some really good stuff in what they're doing. And but I, if I'm saying okay. You're going to hire Jason Garrett. I honestly don't know what you're really getting and what you're going to get excited about. Yeah, and, and I think you're right about the game plan and the, and the type of offense. But what, what it also really means is who's developing Daniel Jones there? 
I mean, your your head coach is a special team slash wide receiver coach. Your coordinator didn't really develop Dak in the last place he was at and isn't known, obviously, as having, as you just said, like what's his offense, right? So my concern, if I'm the Giants, would be Daniel Jones developing is the most important thing for this franchise. They have to have they have to have him turn into the guy. It's it's critical. And when your top two guys, your head coach and your offensive coordinator, can't really be looked at as helping to develop him, that would be a, a major concern for me. I I agree, Elliot. I mean, I wasn't bypassing that. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because, I mean, if you just look around the league, like I, I know people were really uncertain about Cliff Kingsbury, but I know Cliff is great with quarterbacks. You can see like even Larry Fitzgerald is so excited to come back for a 17th year. Like he said, he had so much fun. I mean, they had fun. Their quarterback is dynamic. Um, You can see what Lamar did with Greg Roman. Uh, You can see what Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. I mean, this, I, I I think it's a mistake when you hire a coach to say, even, even like say Bruce Arians, well, we're going to develop the quarterback. Well, you got to develop 53 players. You got to develop a game plan. There's a lot of things you got to do. But your quarterback, the quarterback has got real talent in New York. His turnovers were abominable and it never improved. And so to me, the best way to develop, to help develop Daniel Jones is to get the best running game you can get, right? Mm-hmm. The way, let's say, Ryan Tannehill got with Tennessee, the way Jimmy Garoppolo gets with San Francisco the way Lamar gets with Baltimore. I mean, you if you get great run game innovation, which I'm not so sure Jason Garrett can do because I haven't seen it, but if you can get great run game coordination, you can pay the run game off with a very creative passing game. We saw it when Minnesota runs the ball really well and what Kirk Cousins looks like when they get a real good run game. They can go to New Orleans and win. But when they don't get it, I mean, they can just get completely – eliminated by San Francisco, and they can't get a first down. So to me, the most important part in developing a quarterback is developing developing a very consistent and strong running game. And every quarterback benefits from that. Yeah, I agree. That's an excellent point. And I'm again, I'm not even sure Garrett's the guy to do that. And so I think, I think if they hire Garrett in a few years, they're going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator once again, because I don't think that's a good match with Joe Judge. And Baldy, if they're looking for a new offensive coordinator, they're going to be back on the hiring market. And when you're on the hiring market, me and you both know the only place to go is ZipRecruiter because it's a new year and it's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. The Giants need the right people around Joe Judge. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging, as evident by the fact that you've been interviewing Jason Garrett. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They make it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Baldy, my favorite part of the week, without question, is when we get to the point 
that we get to talk about these games. And I love picking your brain on them. And then I go and I talk to my friends and I drop all these nuggets. And I pretend yeah. that I came up with them on my own. But secretly, we all know I'm getting them from Baldy and the Prevent Defense pod. So let's start with these championship games. First one, Packers at 49ers. 49ers handled the Vikings like we thought. We got the Ravens pick wrong. 49ers, though, we were confident they were going to win that game. They look to be just in the complete zone right now. The week off didn't impact them. Packers, a little more trouble with the Seahawks. They had control early on, but then they come back and do win that game. Aaron Rodgers with just a great throw to Devontae Adams at the end. When you look at this game, what are some matchups you see? And uh, what's your first impression of this game? Well, just going back and watching, you know, the game in, you know, week 11 or week 12 out there in San Francisco. I mean, Green Bay was never competitive. The third play of the game, you know, they get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and Nick Bozer, you know, recovers at the two-yard line and, a couple plays later, 49ers are up 7 nothing, And they, they never look back. I mean, the defensive line of the 49ers on that day dominated the game. They couldn't run it. They played from behind. And if if it gets like that on Sunday, it could get out of hand real fast. Now, Green Bay's defense line is capable of doing some of the same type damage. But the difference is that San Francisco has an elite rushing attack. In fact – a new head coach in the league called me on Sunday after the 49ers victory on Saturday and was just picking my brain about how the 49ers did this against the Vikings. You know, in that game against the Vikings, we, we saw them just run the ball down the Vikings' throats, right? So at one point, they ran the ball 12 straight times in a row. But in the game, Elliot, they had 19 runs of five yards or more. Now, if you get five-yard runs, those are great runs on any down. But they had 19 of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's almost unheard of that you could get that many successful runs in a game against a veteran defense like the Vikings. But when you watch, you know, uh, when you watch George Kittle and you watch Juszczyk, Juszczyk uh, block, I mean, there's not a fullback or tight end that could block like that in this business. And then when you combine it with the motions and the movement and to see what Tevin Coleman did after he was basically a non-factor the whole month of December, that's to, to me is the whole difference in this game is the 49ers ability to consistently run the ball against anybody right now. And they did it against the Packers in the first game. And that's the last thing that Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and those guys want to do is, Stay in there and play the run. They they want to slap guys and go rush the quarterback, but they they got to stop the run first, and I think they're going to have a hard time doing it. An interesting dynamic to this game that I forgot about until I saw the clip on Twitter is when Aaron Rodgers waited in that green room for a long time, they asked him about the 49ers passing on him, and he said they're going to come to regret it. Uh, obviously, he's had a long career. He's played them before, but that's a really interesting dynamic coming into this game because you're right about – the, the Packers potentially having trouble stopping the run. And we've seen the 49ers run on basically every single team all year. They always find a way. And a lot of that is Kyle Shanahan. Um, but again, it's going to come down to Garoppolo to a certain point too. And he's playing at a high level. He played good against the Vikings. He had the one interception, but always amazes me how accurate his passes are. Can he outplay Aaron Rodgers? Um, I think is one of the, the biggest questions coming into this game. Well, he might not have to. I mean, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the ball's going to be in his hands, and he's going to, 
you know, he's going to defy Matt LaFleur. He's going to call his audibles. He's going to, you know, he's he he did everything he had to do in the first game against the 49ers pass rush. I mean, all the things that you would think of, Elliot, right? The quick game, the screen game, um, you know, all the things to get the ball out of his hands literally as, as quick as possible just to try to get positive games. The problem was the speed of the 49ers defense, and they just got faster with the additions now of Quan Alexander and Joukowsky Tart to go with Jimmy Ward. I think they'll make the switch at right corner. I don't think you'll see Akello Weatherspoon in there. I think you'll see Emmanuel Mosley. They yep. made that switch after the first two series against the Vikings when he got torched. Um, I, I, it, it, Aaron Rodgers, look, I, I think he'll he, – he needs a second Super Bowl in the worst way. To do this where he grew up in San Francisco, it would be a dream to get to another – He. He has to get to another Super Bowl. He's just been too good. He's yeah. been – but this is this is the toughest test. He's been out there to play this team before. They handled his offensive line. Belaga went out of the game. They're just simply not good enough up front to protect him. And he – look, as good as I think Devontae Adams is, and he was awesome last weekend, but as good as he is, it's not enough. And Aaron Jones, as good as he is – it's not enough. And I think they're going to have a really hard time against this front. The best thing that can happen is if they do make Jimmy Garoppolo really struggle in this game. And if they can get the ball out of his hands and force a turnover and they can get two short fields, that's the way that they have to stay in this game right now. So it sounds like you're picking the 49ers. I, I am going to pick the 49ers, but you, you, you're picking the Niners yeah, in this I'm, one? I'm, I'm, all, I'm all Niners here all the way. All right. So the next one, Titans at Chiefs. Uh, Titans beat the Chiefs earlier this year, but it was Patrick Mahomes' first game back. Didn't have a rushing attempt in that game. Last week against the uh, the Texans, I think he ran for five first downs. So much different player, much healthier. Um, one of the more crazy games you'll ever see in terms of just the swings. Titans are red hot. They went into Baltimore. They went into New England. They can certainly go into Kansas City. But I think the difference is the Chiefs are hot right now. The Patriots ended up not being that good. Ravens came out rusty, were never able to recover. Recover. The Chiefs are a great team. They're playing at a high level. I think this is the end of the Titans' playoff run. Well, I, I, I think – I mean, I, I, I agree that the Chiefs should be favorites, and I'm picking the Chiefs to win. If you look, go back and watch that first game, it was Patrick Mahomes' first game back after a severe knee injury. It was, it was unbelievable to go back and watch it, Elliot. I mean, it was mm-hmm. – you remember when Andy got T.O. and it was just like bombs away. Yep. And, you know, when Andy gets – when he gets weapons, like he can be the most – he can attack like nobody else in this business. I mean, the first play of the game, they threw a 55-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill and Kenny Vaccaro broke it up. But, I mean, they must have thrown 10 passes that were 30 yards or more down the field. It was Watkins. It was Robinson. It was Tyreek at least four times. And they missed them. They missed a bunch of them. But they connected on a few. Um, you know, they had a, 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 a fumble return for a touchdown by Rashawn Evans, which was really the difference in the game. They missed field goals. They had a field goal blocked. I mean, they out – They as much as Mahomes, if he – I don't even know if it's capable that he could be rusty, ever rusty. The guy is just yeah. so – he's so dynamic. He's so good. There's really no comp for Patrick Mahomes in this business right now. There's none. What he, the performance he put on in that second quarter last week, it, 
is is unlike anything we've really ever seen. I mean, it was just complete domination. Every throw, every position, the touchdown to go up uh, to Travis Kelsey where he just threw a Phil Necro knuckleball. I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible player. And I don't see Tennessee having any answer for the wideouts and then especially Kelsey right now. And then you got to factor in Damian Williams, who had a good game against Tennessee. I, I, I can't see this offense getting stopped right now. And as much as Derrick Henry's the story, and maybe they can play keep away and limit possessions and all that kind of stuff, the Chiefs defense has gotten better since they played them in the middle of the season. Uh, even if Chris, Chris Jones can't go, this is offense is just so dynamic. Um, I, I can't see Tennessee staying in the game. Yeah, I saw a report earlier today that Patrick Mahomes is probably going to get $40 million a year. And uh, yeah, he's worth and every penny. penny. And yeah, worth, every worth, penny. worth every penny. I was thinking that, you know, when, when he signs that deal, people will point out like, oh, well, Carson's deal is a steal now and all these other quarterback deals, deals you see. Patrick Mahomes is in a different category. What he's worth is every single penny he's going to get. So, you know, I, I agree. I think they win this weekend. I think we're looking at a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. I can't wait to talk with you about it next week after this one. Baldy, continue to enjoy your enjoy your time out there in London. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Prevent Defense Podcast brought to you by Radio.com Sports. Baldy, I will talk to you next week. Elliot, it's a pleasure, man. Look forward to it, buddy. Enjoy the games this week. Champion some, championship Sunday, man. It's uh, it's a great, great day. Absolutely, Baldy. Can't wait to watch these games. Thanks again for being on, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Before we wrap up, though, I wanted to remind you guys again about ZipRecruiter just because we've enjoyed talking about it so much each week on the pod and everything it does for us. As you know by now, ZipRecruiter, it does send your job to over 100 of the, world, of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there as with their powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to help find people with the right experience invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate throughout the site within the first day. Within the first day, that's pretty good. Four out of five employers, those are good results. And right now, you can get those results. All of our listeners can get them by trying ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire the prevent defense podcast the smartest podcast to listen to and we will catch you all next week previewing the super bowl matchup 